you have to also engage with your audience on social media. You cannot post and walk away. That will be the tipping point for you is when you start engaging with the people and do what's called relationship marketing, that will be the difference. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name. Enjoy. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and uh, I got to tell you, it's going to be a good one again. We've just had a whole host of great guests, and uh, my guest today, Melian Hirshhorn, is no different. Uh, She wants to make your book and your brand sparkle online, and she's a content marketing strategist. She works with coaches, consultants, speakers worldwide. She's on a mission to support and empower her clients to create clear messaging, really important, and content that really shines a light on how you uniquely help people, what your skill set is, um, and shines a light on your great book to highlight your expertise. Um, and so she's just got a fantastic background. Um, as she says, she sort of bridges the gap between you know being published and, and having pub- publicity. And she's going to walk us through how to really leverage your online presence and PR when you are the author of a book. So Melanie, I'm excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So give us a little bit about your background. How'd you get to to being at this stage where you're helping experts and authors? Well, it was not linear. I will, I will tell you that. Um, Oh, you were the, you were the weird one that had that zigzag. The rest of us were all straight. (laughs) Oh Yeah. Absolutely. Not, yeah, totally circuitous hairpin turns in, in, yeah. Um, I started out in PR. Uh, that is not what I do now. And then I moved into journalism and I was a journalist for many years, got laid off when I was pregnant and decided that instead of paying a babysitter more money than I was actually making, that I would try something else. And I had this sort of tapping on my soul that I had to design and manufacture breastfeeding clothing. Cause you know, that's obviously the next logical step. So that's what I did. And I sold my clothes on Nordstrom.com, Amazon boutiques across North America. And then I made a fatal mistake and I hired somebody to help me with my social media marketing. I thought, you know, I'm doing this marketing thing, but, you know, I really need to bring in an expert. So I brought in a quote unquote expert who was mostly, uh, she was good at what she did, but she didn't do it well for me. She was um, verbally and emotionally abusive, actually. And uh, I paid her a whole lot of money, got a lot of Instagram followers that would never, ever buy my stuff. And I became a shell of a human being. So after that, I closed the business and thought, all right, what can I do now? Um, And after some soul searching, I thought, well, you know, I have been doing marketing or one, you know, different facets of it all these years. What if I can help entrepreneurs so that they feel empowered to do their marketing and they don't feel like they just are, you know, dumb and boring, which is how I was made to feel. So Uh, After a few years of doing that, I started specializing in working with authors specifically because, well, first of all, they started coming to me. And second of all, I thought, 
oh my gosh, this is the perfect niche. I can actually help these people. <laughs> so that's where I am now. Yeah. You know, the, it's one thing to, to put a book together, you know, for, for a lot of the authors we work with, they, um, you know, they're business owners first and they're trying to grow a business and they think, okay, well, the thing that I need is I need this authority piece, this credibility piece, this book. And then they go, okay, I got the book. Well, now what? And the now what is such an open-ended question. There's it's so many true. things. Yeah. But I have the answer. Like, I'm going to be super definitive about this. I have awesome. the answer well, for I'll now what? <laughs> sit back, arms crossed and, and uh, lay it out. Yeah. So, right. Well, and it's like, yeah, where do we start? Well, I mean, it's just like you said that they, they have, they want this authority piece and a book is a brilliant way to demonstrate your authority and your credibility in your space. But a lot of authors or would be authors think, well, once I have the book, well, that's it. Now I'm a thought leader. And unfortunately, no, you're not big pause. That comes with letting people know about the book. Because if you don't have a community around you, an online community, maybe an in-person community, although in these days, most people are online, you kind of have to be. If you don't have that community around you, then who's going to buy the book? Who's going to go, oh, you know what? Steve Gordon is really a thought leader in the publishing space. I mean, Steve can say it, but if you really want to build that community of raving fans, you need an online presence. So as you mentioned at the top, I like to say that I bridge that gap between publishing and publicity because both of them are vital, but there's that, that space in between that a lot of people miss. And so I will give you an example of how this gets, gets missed. So I was introduced to this woman, I will not name her name. And she told me that she had published her book a year ago and she really needed there was something not right. She had hired a publicist. They had been working together for a year. She had been on 18 different media outlets, which is incredible, right? One of them was a national morning show. I said, that's fantastic. How many books have you sold? And she said, 100. Yeah. Wow. And I went, oh, okay. I mean, you could sell 100 to your extended family, right? So why 100? So I pull up her website and I mean, it was just so obvious to me why her messaging, it was so vague. So while she had been telling me what her book was about and who it was for, her online presence didn't say that at all. And so when you hire a publicist, which if you can, that's a great thing to do, but you don't want to do it until you have your messaging and your online presence all dialed in because people are going to see you on, I don't know, Bill Maher. Okay. That would be like my, like if I could go on Bill Maher with my new book that's coming out. Wow. But people are watching you on Bill Maher and then they go check you out on LinkedIn. Right. And if all you have there are a couple stock photos and an occasional comment about something, people are going to go, who is this person? I don't remember the name of their book. So I'm definitely not going to buy it because they don't look like they know what they're talking about. We need something like, it used to be seven. Now it's like 20 touch points to, for, to make a sale. 
And even though a book is not a high ticket item, people aren't going to buy your book if they can't find, if they can't lurk and find out stuff about you online. Well, and, and the book is, is just the beginning, you know, right. um, because for most authors, I mean, it's hard to make money on a book unless you're selling millions and millions and millions of copies you're probably not making money on the book. And even if you could sell those millions of copies, you'd probably be better off selling something behind the book anyway. Um, And, you know, so for most people, it isn't necessarily that they need to sell even 10,000 copies, but I always think of a book like a seed and it's, it's the seed of a new client. And you want to spread that seed far and wide. You don't know where it's going to land. And the further you get, you get those books spread, even if you're giving them away. So one of the things we advocate is, is give them away. You know, you give away a digital copy. If, if you have the business behind it, that's really going to make the money, then it's a matter of how do I get these in the hands of more people? And you've got to have the messaging in place. And it's so interesting that you say that because one of the things we hear over and over from the authors we work with is that the act of, of writing the book clarifies their messaging in a way and so it's a, you wonder, like, how do you get to the point where after you've written a book, you still didn't have the messaging dialed in? That's, that's, that's got to be so frustrating for the author. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the thing about a book and, you know, social media, for example, it's different kinds of writing. You're going to write in full sentences, long paragraphs sometimes in a book. You're not going to do that on social media. You, I mean, not to say that anybody on social media isn't intelligent. It's just that there's a lot of noise coming at us. And if we have to sit there and suffer through three syllable words, we're not going to do it. You're going to lose our attention. You have like what, three seconds to grab our attention as it is. So it's got to be short and punchy and to the point. And sometimes, you know, an author might have this long winded explanation, but they really need to just give it a short summary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, especially when you're on media, being able to boil it down, you know, if if you're on TV or traditional radio, you know, unlike with the podcast, that's one of the things I like about these podcasts is we're not that constrained by time. Right. But if you're on TV, they've got a break coming and you've got 26 seconds. You know, exactly. Or yeah. When I worked in radio, I had to talk down to the to the second. If You know, it was a hard out at 53230 which is actually a time. (laughs) And so, yes, you have to be able to speak clearly and like you said, boil it down. And that's luckily for me, one of my strengths is to look at somebody, talk to them. They can go on for a half hour and then I can say, so what you're saying is, and I wrap it up in a nice bow and they go, yes, how did you know? And I say, you just said that, but I like to, you know, shrink it for them. So what are the, things that need to be in place for an author to be really effective online? Is there, is there kind of a formula for it? What are the, what are the key ideas here? Yeah. I mean, I've kind of developed a a system for that. I take my clients, my one-on-one clients, I take them through a system and I don't want to fire hose the listeners because I know that you can be like, Oh no, I don't have this. I don't have that. So I want to, I want to preface this with it's okay. You don't have to have it all in one second. Like it takes time. Marketing is a marathon, not a sprint. But in general, if you can make sure that all your social, well, you don't have to be on every social media platform, but the ones where your clients are, if you can make sure that your social media messaging is good, 
that you're being there consistently showing up, that you have a wonderful lead magnet that's continually growing your email subscribers, that you are also sending out emails, something like only 60% of businesses actually send out a welcome email which is mind blowing to me. And I keep, no, I I keep rechecking. Yeah. I keep rechecking this statistic because it's like I mentioned, I have a book coming out and, and I keep, you know, I want to be up to date with my statistics. It's the journalist in me. And yeah, I keep seeing that it's 58% of businesses do not uh, only 58% of businesses send a welcome email, which is going to be your most opened email ever. Usually. And so don't don't waste that valuable, you know, moment by not sending an email. So having that in place and sending emails regularly, I think having a, a podcast guesting strategy is is very important because this way you're leveraging other people's platforms. You down with OPP. Um, and and just having a launch plan. And it doesn't have to necessarily be for the book itself, because sometimes people go the route of the bestseller campaign. I think you and I have talked about this, <laughs> um, which is great, but it's not really going to result in in what you're looking for to grow your fan base, because in general, that's not what it does. Uh, but just having a plan for any kind of launch, whether it's... Um, an ebook or I get, you know, maybe it's like not an ebook, uh, like a Kindle version of the book, I should say, or, uh, a audio version of the book. Audio books are huge. You can do a whole thing around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think all having all the formats is really valuable. So as, as you're working with people and you're helping them build this out, I would imagine so much of the messaging should be there, right? It should be in the book. And I think people discount the value of going into the book and pulling out the nuggets. I mean, there's years worth of content right there. Nothing has to be recreated. So as the business owner, as the author, you've you've sort of done all the hard work. You just need someone to come alongside you who can mine that for the gold that's there, right? Exactly. I call it a gold mine. You just read my mind. It's it's true. It is a gold mine. And when I work one-on-one with clients, I go through the book and I read it, you know, completely objectively and pull out hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds, but sometimes hundreds of content prompts, at least a hundred content prompts that can be used over and over again. And then as I mentioned, it's about boiling it down a little bit because you know, we don't want to use really highfalutin words on social media. Yeah. Right. I mean, two syllables. So, (laughs) or one, (laughs) right. Yeah. And you, you've worked, let's, I'm just kind of thinking through the process here. You've, you've started working with someone, you're getting the posts out there. Do you have a, a particular strategy on how you move them then from social back into, for example, a sales process? How do you bridge that gap? Mm-hmm. So when you mean, when you say a sales process, tell me a little bit more about what you mean. Well, it obviously varies by business. You know, some people want to put folks onto a webinar maybe that then sells mm-hmm. them into uh, a one-on-one appointment. Maybe, um, you know, others are, are directing them to some existing content that's designed to, to pull them in. Some are probably looking for that direct, you know, get that direct phone call booked or sell that product. So mm-hmm. 
Um, what are what are some of the, the ways that that you bridge that gap? I see. Okay. Uh, so it really depends on the client, right? I mean, that's the great thing about marketing is that it really cannot be one size fits all. It can't be cookie cutter. It has to, you know, really be customized to you. Uh, that said, all of those things, it depends, you know, I can give you examples. Um, I have a client, I have a client who is a, you probably haven't even heard of this. She's a hypnofertility specialist. And she helps women get and stay pregnant through hypnofertility. And she has these amazing books. And like you said, she's not going to be the next James Patterson. So she is giving her book away as part of her welcome sequence, her, her nurture sequence in her emails and leading people to a sales call. It, it really depends on what uh, the particular author is looking for. And if there's a webinar, yeah, absolutely. We get people to go to a webinar and then you sell them. But again, you know, sales and marketing are not the same thing as you know. So I, I could talk, you know, I could talk about things all the time, but I can't make the sale. Right. So, um, with the authors that you're working with, is there a platform that is particularly hot right now? I mean, my kids are on TikTok, I think. They probably my wife is definitely are. on TikTok, which means the kids are leaving soon. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, I remember when Facebook was everything and then the parents started coming on and we were like, what? No. Um, so it, it's not quite that cut and dry. It depends on where your audience is. So, you know, I'm looking at you right now and I can see, um, elevate, expand, engage. I'm going to call out Miss Judy Hayes, um, who is an author and you worked with her. And so her ideal people, I mean, the book is basically about marketing on LinkedIn. So she best be hanging out on LinkedIn. And if she wants to dance on TikTok, that's wonderful, but I don't think that's going to help her sell books and, you know, fill programs and stuff. So it, it really depends who your ideal reader is, who your ideal customer is, who your ideal client is, that is where you want to be. And you yeah. don't have to be anywhere else. I mean, you can hang out on, you know, uh, on Instagram, if you want, you can dance on reels and point at things if, if that makes you happy. But if your uh, ideal reader is not really on Instagram, then that's just something you can do for fun. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's a big point for most everybody. I, the, the feeling is if I'm not everywhere, I'm going to miss out. Mm -hmm. Oh, FOMO is a real thing. It really is. Um, I have suffered from it personally. So I understand. I know that my ideal, my ideal client is on LinkedIn. I know this. I have tested it. It is true. So I had to sort of take a step back from Instagram and I'm okay with it now. I only go on Instagram for fun and it's okay. <laughs> and it's okay for you. If you know that the only place your people are is Facebook, it's okay. We don't have to be everywhere. It's, it's not going to serve you because each platform has, has its own nuances and you want to get really good at that. So if you're 
you know, focus specifically on Instagram because that's where your people are, then you're going to start to use all the things on that platform and get really good at them. And then if you're having to split your time between that and TikTok, and then, you know, there's this new one called something about real, real or real or something to do with real, um, where you can only go live for like one minute and all the people in your community have to go live at the exact same time. And so that's the newest one. Um, so if you're spending time on that, then it's taking away from where your people really are. Yeah. And, um, and that, to me, that reduces the complexity in all of this. I mean, if you're running a business, it's tough to keep up with all the changes and all that. And frankly, most of the business owners that I know, unless they're in the influencer business, they don't really care that much. They, they just want to connect where people are deliver the information, attract people to them that they can help. It's a means to an end, not the end in itself. Right. I agree with that. And, you know, ultimately when I work with authors, my goal is for them to eventually be able to hire somebody. If they don't already have somebody on their team to do the implementation, the goal is for them to get to the place where somebody can be doing the implementation because six months with me, it's like getting, you know, a university degree in how to do book marketing. Um, I I like to advocate for and empower, not put people down. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we've talked about social. Um, talk a little bit about website. What does an author need to be, or a business owner that's got a book? What do they need to be thinking about in terms of their their website so that when people show up, they look credible? Okay. But I want to go back to one thing before I answer that question, because I think I would be remiss to, to, if I did not say, you have to also engage with your audience on social media. You cannot post and walk away. That will be the tipping point for you is when you start engaging with the people and do what's called relationship marketing, that will be the difference. Okay. Now I will answer your question. Let's let's back up on that. That's a a fantastic point. how do you recommend people engage? And, and the, you, you said something really important there. You said the R word. Yes. Relationship. Relationship. I know you post about this on LinkedIn all the time. Well, so when I look at social media and it took me a long time to figure this out because I'm a slow learner, but when I look at social media now, I look at it as just a way to connect one-on-one and the I've, I've completely disconnected, at least on the organic side, mm-hmm. like, you know, we do advertising and all that. That's part of what we do. We do referrals. We do all kinds of great stuff, but I look at the, the advertising as the way to go one to many on social media. And I look at the organic side as a way for me to connect with one other human being somehow. So talk a little bit about how you coach people to create those relationships. Cause I think that's the, it's the piece that everybody wants to overlook. They think it's a big broadcast medium. They do. Now, I, I like to credit my radio career with teaching me this kernel that I like to impart, which is that unless you are on television, you really are only talking to one person. We don't gather around a podcast unless it's like, you know, only murders in the building and like people are sitting outside and what. And anyway, that's a whole other story. But in general, it's it's such an intimate thing. Like I'm in your ears right now and I'm talking to you. 
I, you know, that's, that's what's so beautiful about social media is that when I'm scrolling my phone, if I see something that says, Hey guys, I'm like, who are you talking to? I'm the only one here. So when you can sort of shift your, your thinking and say, you know what, when I post, I'm really only talking to one person at a time. It makes it less overwhelming, first of all, but it also makes it more relatable what you're putting out there because you say, okay, well, I'm talking to the person who really needs to read my book right now. What do I want to say to them? Maybe they're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe they're feel, you know, they're being, they're kept up at night worrying about this problem and I understand it. So I'm going to talk to them. And you know what happens when you start doing that? People start responding. So if you can, what, what I advise is don't post and walk away, post and talk to people. Yes, we are all victims of being, you know, fire hosed by random direct messages <laughs> where people are trying to sell us stuff, but don't do that. Cause you know, that's not good. That, that's icky. So if you can ask a question and really answer people when they respond and respond with a question so that you can keep the conversation going. It's, it's like this, um, you know, we're, we're, we're almost like brainwashed to think that the more people we can talk to, the better. It's all about numbers. It's all about numbers, but it's not. People are not numbers. They're humans. So if you can try to bring back the humanity into your marketing, I was actually just talking about this with a client like an hour ago. If you can bring back the humanity into your marketing and remember that, you know, yes, people can be trolls, but not always. They really are humans behind the the phone or the screen. Then you're going to, you're going to be behave differently online. And I think you're going to see a, a positive impact from that. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, I, I've seen it myself. Um, when I changed the mindset I had, particularly around LinkedIn, it changed everything in a heartbeat. So it's now for me, I don't have to go to networking events because I can connect with people there. I can do introductions there, you know, and yes, I do get fire hosed sometimes. And sometimes it aggravates me and I go away for a few days because yeah. I'm tired of being fire hosed by people with a, a direct message. But but because it gives you this view into your network and the networks of the people you're connected to, I, I just think it's a very powerful way to kind of bridge the gap between, hey, we're in this really, I don't know, sanitized world of, of strangers online and to start making real, you know, real connections with people. And that's how business ever gets done. I mean, it's always somebody that you've got a relationship with, right? So why are we not doing that? Yeah. It's who you know. It's not, you know, how many degrees you have. I I tried to explain that to my parents, but they weren't listening. (laughs) So um, tell me a a story about a a client that you've worked with. Um, I'd love to hear a success story about somebody who's come in and they had their book and now they're looking to kind of get it out to the market and make a big impact on their business. I would love to, to hear you know, how that's gone for someone. I would love to tell you, should we answer the question about the website first? Oh, I, you know, I, I'm an eight quick start on the Colby. I'm squirrel. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> so, and I'm, I don't know what I am on that test, but I am taking my hook and I'm bringing you back in. Yeah. Bring it, bring it right back. <laughs> sure. So what, what, what does an author need to have on a website? 
Okay. So you want to have a call to action on your website. You want people to, it's got to be quick. It's got to be, here's what I can offer you. Remember that your website is not about you. It's about the person looking at it. And when people open up your website, they want to go, what's in it for me? Oh, look, I can find this. Oh, look, you have something I can download for free. Oh, look, I can do this. So that is in a nutshell, what it, what should be there. It should have, you should have your lead magnet available. You should have calls to action, you know, bringing people into your community, into your ecosystem and always make sure that your book is there. Cause Honestly, sometimes people go, oh, you know, I should really put my book on. I'm like, yes, yes, you should. <laughs> yes, you should. Yeah, that, that is important. That's definitely important. So it sounds like really just making sure that they've got the basics in place. Yeah. And as a business owner, you probably already have a website. So even just having a tab added that talks about your book is a win. So how many authors do you work with that don't have that stuff in place? That's to me, that's so antithetical because I've been doing it for so long, but is that pretty common that you run across businesses that don't have simple calls to action? And um, You know, it's, it depends. I, I can be, you know, I'm like a teacher with a red marker um, when it comes to auditing a website, because it really is something you don't have a lot of time to really hook somebody in. So in general, most people do have websites, but I can pick apart like a, you know, I can usually find like three things. Okay. Change these three things to start. And then, and then we'll go from there. Um, Oftentimes it's that there's like way too much information about the business or the person and not enough about how, about the benefits for the person on the website. Got it. The benefits for the person looking at the website, I should say. Yeah. So, so now to answer your question about success stories, see, I'm moving it along here. <laughs> to me, a success story is somebody who sees their community grow. And I will give you an example of um, my client. Uh, her name is Lynn, and she's written a series of children's books that are, they have a mission. So when I work with in general, I work with nonfiction authors, but I do also work with children's book authors if there's a mission behind the book. And so she was able to fully fund her um, Kickstarter. That's it, Kickstarter. Her Kickstarter campaign. She fully funded her Kickstarter campaign utilizing the marketing that we created together. Wow. And it was $16,000 campaign. And, you know, with her, her emails consistently get 55% opens because we've been so intentional. You know, I have another client who has, his name's David, and he's written the, basically the only book you'll ever have to read about olive oil. Um, And when I started working with him, I was like, why do I need to read about olive oil? I don't understand. It turns out it is really the most tampered with food that we ever eat. And that a lot of what is on store shelves in North America is actually rancid and we don't even know. And if it's not rant, no, I'm not, I can't make this stuff up. It's, and if it's not rancid, it's at least mislabeled, but probably not like edible. And I had no idea. And then I tried the oil that he sent me and I was like, this is what olive oil is supposed to taste like. It's actually good. 
I had no idea. So he, I mean, he has been in the industry for like 20 years and he really, anyway, so we've created his entire online platform. And then he hired a publicist who uh, actually I happen to know for many years. So it's been a really nice collaboration. And he was just recently featured on the Kelly Clarkson show. Wow. He, he taught Kelly Clarkson how to taste oil. So what happened? His Instagram doubled because people went and they saw it and they're like, oh, I, I understand what this guy's about. I see. Oh, I can buy his book. Great. I can buy this. Great. And that's the, that's the goal, right? The goal is to, to let people know about you, get them to really understand what you're all about and that you're the authority in your space. And that's what this whole online thing is really all about. It's, it's not necessarily like I'm going to go on Instagram and sell 20 copies of my book. It's more about, I'm going to go on Instagram and show people that I know what I'm talking about so that I am credible in this space and I am an authority. So, I mean, in that story that you shared, really the secret there is doing the preparation so that when you get the opportunity to be featured in the media, you've got everything in place to capture that, you know, that attention that you create because the attention is fleeting. Oh my gosh. You know, I am guilty of that too. I work with people and I still can't remember the names of their books. It's not like I don't remember everything in the book, but I can't remember the title sometimes. So, and that if, and if I'm really working on it, imagine somebody who's caught like the last 30 seconds of the local news and you know, yeah, it's like when somebody reads a book, you have their attention hundred percent, you have their attention, but that's the only time you're going to have their hundred percent attention. So it's just like you said, it's. It's, you got to have your ducks in a row. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of the folks listening, they might not get on the Kelly Clarkson show and it might, that it might actually be a good thing for them. That might not be their market, but even with podcast appearances, you know, so I've done over a hundred podcast appearances and we spend an awful lot of time thinking about where are we going to send people with each of those interviews? You know, so you have to think this stuff through. I think if you really want to make it successful, you've got to connect all of those dots because people are lazy, you know, when they're listening to any media, you know, and that's not a criticism. That's just the way that it is. I listen to media lazily sometimes. They're not going to remember and they're, you have to make it like stupid simple for them to find you and then to figure out what to do next. And that's really what you're talking about. Yes, exactly. Because we're not, just doing one thing. We're doing multiple things at the same time and you don't have our undivided attention. So if, if you can make it so that when I go on Instagram and I'm like, it's something to do with publishing something about unstoppable referring or something. And then all of a sudden your stuff comes up and Oh, unstoppable referrals. And Oh, that was the book. That's right. That's what's happening. Right. Nobody's going Nobody's sitting there and typing it in as you're talking. It's it's an afterthought. <laughs> right, exactly. And they're hoping that they remembered enough yes. to find you. Right, right. Well, Melanie, where can people find out more about what you're doing and, and how you help? 
Well, if it's okay, I have a gift for your listeners. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Of course. So I I have the ultimate book marketing checklist and it is, um, it is available at um, vipdigital.live slash checklist. And what is great about it is that I give you the list and uh, some worksheets on how to create a lead magnet that's really going to help convert your ideal readers. I love it. I'm going to go get that this afternoon. That's awesome. Thank we'll you. link that up in the show notes and and uh, folks go take advantage of that. Melanie Hershorn, thank you so much for investing some time with me for sharing uh, your wisdom with everyone today. This has been great. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.